Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is spoiler cast number four for Stephen King's It. The 2017 version of It. Yes. And you probably, if we sound a little bit different, it's because we are Skyping this podcast just with schedules and everything going on, just being crazy. So we thought we would do this Skype thing, give it a try and see how it records, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to still enjoy it. Yeah, and this is a field test for what's coming up for us. Um, You're going to be on the road. I'm going to be on the road the next two weeks after that for Fantastic Fest, and we still want to get some content up. So we'll probably be making a few more of these Skype episodes. Yeah, no, I noticed uh, just for technical sake, you kind of went in and out a little bit there. Um, But sometimes you come in and sound great. So let's just wing this podcast, see how it goes. And uh, are you noticing any fluctuation with my voice? No, no, you sound fine. Okay, well, you're sounding good now. So, all right, so it, spoiler cast. What do we need to tell our folks? Stop listening, right? If you haven't seen the movie... I'll put this in the text, too, for the episode, but this is a spoiler cast. We are going to spoil every inch of this movie, talk about Easter eggs. If you've not seen the movie, just stop listening now. This is the last warning we can give you. All will be spoiled. If you're still with us, that's good, because we're really going to dig into the movie now. (laughs) Yes, we are. And uh, so here we go. Three, two, one. You need to leave right now, because we're going to spoil the movie. So here we go. They killed the clown at the end, right? No. <laughs> There's a part two coming. Yes, there is. So that was, made it. So that that's a spoiler, right? I guess maybe, unless you yes. you know haven't read the books. Yes, he's coming back when they're adults. Twenty-seven years later. Nice. So, Adam, why don't you walk us through the story, and we'll just kind of make some comments. And uh, what's what things jumped out to you immediately? You are the resident horror expert, so what stuff jumped out to you as we considered as we considered this movie? It. Well, let's talk about the source material. So, for it, we have two things in our background. We have the original novel, right, which is over a thousand pages. It came out in I think seventy nine. So right around the early 80s. It is 44 hours on audible.com. I looked at it today. I, I was thinking about, I have a couple credits. I was thinking about popping it and uh, and picking it up. 44 hours. Yeah. Yeah. How you'd ever do that as a two-hour single movie, I have no idea. Um, I think they made the smart decision here to split it, where this movie is only the childhood encounter with it. Right. And then the next part, chapter two will be 27 years later when they're adults and they come back to Derry to face it one last time. Yep, absolutely. So with that in mind, there's also a miniseries from 81, I believe. That's the Tim Curry famous version. It was never a movie. It was just on ABC, the network. And I forget how many parts that ran in, but it I know... two. Two-parter. Just two-parter. I, I remember if you went to the video store, you actually got two VHSs. Yep. It was one of those fat VHS packs like Braveheart. Nice. So, um, compared against those two, um, I mean, obviously the book is always going to be the book, but I think this movie did a more faithful job than the TV miniseries. It also deviates a little bit, but I think it was for the better. For instance, 
Uh, in this movie, we don't get any of the universal monsters. Right. In the book, it would turn into Frankenstein and the Wolfman and the creature from the Black Lagoon and attack these kids. Right. All we get is Pennywise the Clown for the most part. And then he becomes... We get a leper. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say... he, And also the painting. Doesn't he turn into that painting on the wall one time and chase after the, one of the boys? Yes. And then he all turns into victims from an accident that happened at a industrial plant. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. For the kid, for the kid that was into all the history stuff. So, and I think the, the reason they made the change here is that in the book, the kids, when they're, the, the characters, when they're children are in the fifties and when they're adults, it takes place in the eighties. Right. We've now adjusted the timeline where this takes place in 88 where Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Lethal Weapon 2 are in theaters and Batman's in theaters. We see those marquees. Yep. So the Universal Monsters wouldn't have mattered much to these kids. Right. And rights-wise, it would have been too hard to get Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees. Oh, yeah. Which would have been completely awesome, though, just to be honest with you. It may have (laughs) been distracting for most. I agree. But it would have confused, I think, some of the audience. Yes. Yeah. Well, when you have really the Pennywise or, or the clown, he's really an entity, isn't he? And he kind of just takes whatever shape, whatever scares you the most is what he becomes. He feeds on fear. And I guess if we're being really correct, and this is a spoiler cast, we're going to have to call Pennywise a she. Okay. Because she has been laying eggs underneath theory. And that's something they discover in the next part. Wow. So that is a spoiler. Pennywise is really, yes, it is. Pennywise is really a giant interdimensional spider thing. Yep. yep. But changes form freely to, to feed on your, your fears. And from the book, it doesn't even need to do that. It just likes to because the Pennywise in the book says that fear salts the meat. Nice. So it's a flavor preference, and the reason it goes after children uh, is it explains that no one is more terrified or fearful than children. They can just go from fine to terrified out of their minds. And it's like quite a, the little. And it's like a kinetic energy that he feeds off of, right? Or it feeds off of. Well, you see it in the movie. <laughs> He's got all these needle teeth, just rows and rows of needle teeth, like a shark. And he was biting into the one kid's face, I guess, sucking the fear out. Right. When they scare them off and they beat them off one of their friends. Wow. So, um, what else do you want to walk through some of the story? It starts off, you know, with a really rainy, you know, big storm and two brothers, right? Uh, um, William and, and Billy. George. Billy and George. Yep. Poor Georgie. Yeah, so walk us through that encounter a little bit, Adam. So, Georgie in this story is like the swimmer in Jaws. That's the analogy I always make. You know this character's not going to survive the cold open. Um, Georgie goes outside to play in a rainstorm. Bill is sick. He's upstairs, can't leave the house on mom's orders. So Georgie's playing with a little newspaper sailboat. And it's just sailing in the gutter, then goes down the drain. And it's at that moment that Georgie unfortunately meets Pennywise, who is dwelling in the sewer. Now, 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 I found this interesting, Adam. 
you know, uh, here's this clown, Pennywise, that's in the sewer, in the storm drain of the sewer. And normally, would you not think any kid in his right mind would just scream and run? But it's played in a way where, whether you consider this ludicrous or not, you, it becomes believable. It's shot really well, and it becomes believable. And you forget, you almost forget for half a second that Georgie is talking to a clown in a storm sewer in the middle of a, in a middle of a storm, you know? And that's, that's just poor Georgie. He's, such, he's like the epitome of the sweet little kid. Innocent. Right. He even says, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers, so what does Pennywise do? He introduces himself and says, I'm Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And he tells him a story that, you know, the storm blew him and the whole circus away. And now they're down in the sewer with popcorn and balloons and animals. And he has Georgie's sailboat. He wants to give it back to him. He just has to reach in and get it. Now, this is your typical Pennywise trap. For whatever reason, he always tries to lure you away. Right. From safety, society, whatever. Even when he's attacking the other kids, you'll notice that he's always trying to get them in the basement or somewhere out of sight because it probably takes a while to feed or whatever he does. We never really see it outside that one scene when he's feeding on the one boy. Right. So this is your typical Pennywise trap. It also shows you that he is psychic because he knows Georgie's name. He knows about Bill. He's obviously able to read minds or or something. And he's actually influencing the whole town. You're going to see that pretty quick. Sure. Absolutely. All the adults in this movie are creepy. There's no friendly adult, really. Right. You know, let's, um, and I want to get to that here in just a minute. There's so much to talk about with this movie. I guess we'll just kind of take it piece by piece. But I, I found um, the actor's name who played Pennywise eludes me. Um, but anyway. Uh, Bill. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, Skarsgård. That's right. Um, th- there's an interaction where he's real playful and he's uh, interacting with, with Georgie. And then he gets real serious. And it's almost like, you made the comment, it's almost like he leaves this that scene to go somewhere else for a minute. Yeah. So he's joking with Georgie the whole time. Very playful very involved in the conversation. And then this blank look just passes over his face. He kind of even straightens up and just checks out for a moment. And with the other children going vanishing, you see the story doesn't cover them much, but there's a mom at school the next day. Right. Right. Whose daughter is missing. Right. They, they mention her name. It slips my mind now, but the kids all know that she just went missing. And I don't know if Pennywise was hunting anyone else at that moment, but it's really strange how he does just seem to check out where he is mentally first. Yeah. And, and you a couple can, long seconds because Georgie reengages him. Yeah. And you can kind of see that uh, there was a couple other times where it looked like he kind of did that as well too during the rest of the movie. So he's not, he's not omnipresent, but he can definitely be in maybe a couple, three places at the same time. And he's also exuding an in uh, a, his influence, like you said, over the whole town as well. So, and he, he may be even able to possess people because of the librarian scene. Yes. There's a creepy scene where oh, one of the children, oh, dude, that was so creepy. One of the kids is reading a book in the library about the history of the town, 
And in the background, you just see this librarian become fixated on him. And every time it cuts to a shot of her in the background, she's either closer or just standing there and or staring at him. she's got this ma- manacle grin on her face. The, the, it's clearly Pennywise, yeah, oh, in God. possession oh, oh, of maybe oh. a normal that, that adult. Was kinda, that was kind of freaky, just to be honest with you. And then she's back to just putting books on the shelves, and that's when the red balloon floats by and, <laughs> and lures him into the basement. Yep, absolutely. So then this Georgie scene is going to affect some people. Um, we had a friend, Bob, who almost left the movie because of the scene. Yep. It is a surprising level of violence uh, against a child, a, a sweet little boy. And when you have, and, uh, and you're so, a parent, and you have children, young children, or you've had young children, that can be very intense. Yeah. So when Georgie reaches for the boat, Pennywise does bite his arm off, and he's left with and, a stump. And, yeah, and you see it. You see his stump hanging out there. So thus the rated R, the first sign that this is a rated R movie. <laughs> Georgie is then, you know, screaming his brother's name, trying to crawl away in the rain, leaving a puddle of blood behind him. And Pennywise's arm stretches out impossibly long. Oh, yeah. Grabs Georgie and pulls him into the sewer. Yep. So in the books, the only real change is that they recover Georgie's body in the books. Uh, Pennywise just tears his arm off, and Georgie bleeds to death outside. Oh, so in the books... So this is kind of cool. You're giving us you're giving us a good book versus movie comparison. I've not read the book. Don't know if I will or not. Um, but that's cool. The 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 two different stories there. And it's been a long time. I mean, it was high school when I I last read the book. But yeah. So slight difference is that he takes Georgie's body, but instead of just having bleeding to that because in the books they try to pin the murder of the children on an adult the movie's not even trying that and you know this is a this is an interesting theme i guess maybe that is in some of you know is is this in a lot of stephen king movies or books children in peril children involved in you know this kind of thing or is it do you think it's um kind of unique this way Uh, no, I mean, it's a common thread in some of his stuff. You know, Duck Tower has the young apprentice. Right. Um, Stand By Me, obviously, they're in danger from the bullies. Yeah. Um, Shining, you know, Danny. Yeah. Danny being chased around the hotel by his dad, Jack Torrance. Yeah, and the, and the twins. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, I, this isn't unique among his work. So... You know, um, how about how does this in relationship to horror in general? Are there a lot of horror movies, Adam, that deal with children nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old? Not now. There used to be. This is more of an eighties thing where there were groups of kids, see, and I it thought, was all. See that? That's kinda, it, yeah. Go ahead. I think it was all inspired by it. Right. See, that's kind of where them. I'm. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Is you know, today you don't. I don't think you see that, but the '80s was full of kid movies, horror, sci-fi, Goonies. Goonies yeah, I mean, you know, um, E.T. You know, you, you know, Stand by Me, The uh, Monster Squad. Yes, I mean, you had all of these kid movies from the '80s, and this is. I think this movie is kind of an homage or a throwback to an '80s, you know, sci-fi horror movie. 
Well, I mean, it's based on the book. And I, I think it's kind of a feedback loop because the book is what created a lot of that trend in the 80s. I think. I mean, the book, I think, came out in 79. Because right. even with um, Stranger Things nowadays, I mean, it borrows so much from Stephen King. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Now, so, one debate that's interesting, actually, is whenever horror seems to hit big, like this year we had Get Out that made almost 170, $180 million here in the U.S. Right. People try to say, oh, it's not really horror. It's a commentary on our social status and everything else. They're already trying it with it. They're saying it's not a horror movie. It's really a psychological thriller on uh, issues about childhood and passing to adolescence and becoming adults and all that. Well, it's a horror movie. Yeah. People don't seem to accept that horror movies can have multiple layers and well, themes and some deeper stuff. Well, one of the things I have learned directly from your influence over the last year of doing these podcasts is that you have fed me a constant stream of horror f- films from that genre, and they are very wide and varied. I think people want to put horror into kids trapped, you know, college kids trapped in a building, being hunted by a serial killer or splatterfest, or but that's just one slice of the whole horror genre. Uh, and yeah. yet it's definitely another piece of that slice that is in there, you know. Yeah, horror is such a wide genre that people, you know, maybe even some commentary people out there don't realize. I don't think they do. It can have all these themes and deeper things. You don't have to reclassify it as a psychological thriller. I mean, let's face it. It's a sewer clown that rips off a child's arm in the first six minutes. This is a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Yep. So so what so our movie proceeds forward and we end up with a ragtag group of of kids that get picked on kids that uh, maybe are a little bit socially mar- in the margin, um, you know you got Ben and Beverly and Richie and you know um, and Mikey and, and and these guys you know um, that make up this little ragtag group of um, and Stanley. Um, that make up this ragtag group of kids that are, I guess they discover it and are at least willing to talk about it, whereas the adults, I think, know that something is definitely going on in the town that's wrong, but they won't, it's like they're trying to, it's it's the town of denial. They keep saying, well, we'll just not talk about it, you know. And here's the thing, too. When it reawakens after 27 years, feeds. And it feeds for about 18 months historically right so it's a long feeding spree georgie's one of the first victims and then we jump forward a year in time you know we jump towards the next summer right so it is starting to wrap down its feeding cycle there's lots of kids missing you're seeing these flyers go up everywhere yep the police don't seem to be doing anything and even the parents that lose the kids just want to move on i think this is its influence on the town and I say that because you can see it everywhere. Whenever there's a TV or a radio on, it's usually directly under the influence of it. The first thing I remember seeing was a TV show in the background telling kids to play in the sewer. It's fun. There's no better place than to come play in the sewer. Oh, my gosh. I totally missed Did you that. Catch th- no, I totally missed it. And the next time later on, it's a lot clearer when it speaks to the bully to kill everyone. Right. But that same children's show is talking about how much fun it is to play in the sewers. Wow. And there was a radio broadcast, too, that was fishy. I, I didn't catch that. Other people had mentioned it. 
So it is everywhere. Lots of the background stuff. Oh my gosh. When um, they're flipping through the history books, it's in almost every shot somewhere. Hidden in the background in the history of that town of Derry, Maine. And people are oblivious to it. I mean, lots of people go missing at 27 years and no one has connected it. Wow. Except this, the Losers Club. <laughs> so one thing that's different from the books, too, you still had the bullies in the books. But they kind of use them to set up, you know, that they're the ones going to be blamed for the murder of these children. Okay. Because in the original book... The bodies were discovered. It leaves them behind. Wow, okay. In this movie, we see what it does. He uses the deadlights inside of him, whatever these kind of ethereal lights are to right. hypnotize people. Sure. And he, float, he floats the corpses <laughs> in his sewer now, dungeon. Now, I do, I do have to say something. He must have tremendous influence over... He must have tremendous influence over the town because... If Georgie dies and the woman the, his, the, the woman that has the house right there, she sees him disappear and she sees a big pool of blood in, right in front of the storm drain, right? So, right? so any law enforcement with half a sense would say, oh, kids here, kids missing, parents file a complaint, kids missing, they do some investigating, they ask everybody on the street, just a little teeny bit of crime solving by the police would lead them to go into the sewers and go check out what's going on, which would lead them to it and all those kids in the well that's right out in the open, you know, the, the well that's right there. Uh, I mean, so you have to kind of suspend the belief or you have to believe that it is really controlling the whole town because anybody with, you know, third grade education could have found it and discovered what was going on. Yeah, they they don't ever investigate. Even even Georgie's own parents, Bill's parent, his dad is like he's gone. You've got to move on. He's and gone. You see that Bill's a Bill's obsessed. He thinks Georgie got sucked into the sewer by the storm and ended up in the Barrens and got lost. Right. You know that that's Bill's theory. So Bill would obviously have no idea that there was any evidence of blood or. Or foul play. Sure. They just think Georgie's missing and they've accepted it. So, yeah, I mean, his influence is strong. Wow. So what are some of the other themes, Adam, that we want to talk about with, with this and, and kind of walk us through, you, you know, some of the story as they come together and start to fight, start to fight this thing? Well, they each have their own fears. Um we see Georgie through Bill. That's just his fear is that Georgie will be forgotten. Yep. And is gone. So he keeps seeing Georgie resurface. I think one of the strongest storylines in this movie belongs to Beverly. They call her Bev. She's the newest member of the Losers Club. And she's the most mature. She's the right. girl. You know, girls yep. mature a little bit faster. Yeah. And she's she's hitting puberty and the horrors of that are reflected by it. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, very, very clearly. And she gets yes. attacked in the bathroom by uh, blood that would rival The Shining. Yep, absolutely. Coming out of the elevators. Yep, absolutely. Well, you know, and her story is I had to chuckle when I watched it because they do such a good job of, you know, 
I know when I was growing up, you kind of like were were like super good. I, I you know I had gir- I had a girl that lived down the street, and we were super great pals, and we were kind of like best friends. When we were six, seven, eight, nine, ten, we'd walk, you know, go hang out in the woods and go, you know, go ride our bikes and this and that. And then I'll remember the day where I realized she was not just a, one of my buddies. She was actually a young lady, a girl, you know, and uh, they play they play up that awakening when when they all go swimming and Beverly just, you know, she just takes her shirt and pants off and in her bra and panties and jumps into the water, you know. And the the look on all those boys' faces was I just chuckled. And they're all standing there in their underwear. And they're all standing. Anyway. Yeah, they're all standing there in their underwear, and they're just like, oh, and they're just yeah. like staring at her the whole time. <laughs> I just had I just cracked me up. But anyway, yeah, right. And it does start the rivalry a little bit between Bill and Ben. Um, not really played up so much in this movie. There's just no time. <laughs> this is a I think it's barely over two hours. I will say that I think the one loser that gets shorted is uh, Mike. He does. Mike is the kid they call homeschool that's coming from the farm. Yes. He gets no time in this movie and just kind of lumped in with him. One of the the complaints I would agree with you is that he has one or two good scenes right at the beginning of the movie. And then he's like, he's gone. He's just forgotten about the whole rest of the movie. And here's a weird switch. So in the movie, it's Ben, who's the the slightly overweight kid, who is the historian, who's the one that figures it all out. Right. And in the books, it's Mike. Oh, wow. And the weird thing is that makes sense because later on when they're adults, Mike stays in the town and he's then the librarian. Right. And he's the one that brings everyone back. Right. As adults. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to switch that up. I don't know why they took that away from Mike. I mean, maybe they're trying to give Ben more to do. But that's a weird character switch for me from the books. Sure. Uh, no, I, well, yeah. Well, you know, you know, I, I guess when we did our regular podcast and we reviewed it, non-spoilery, I made the comment that I really wish they would have had more breathing room with these kids and their coming of age story and their interactions with each other, but you just didn't have to. There's a reason why, you know, this book is over a thousand pages and it's 44 hours on audible.com is he, you know, Stephen King loves to build these worlds, flesh out characters and slowly build to dramatic moments. I mean, that's why he's such a great writer, you know? And uh, we we have a two hour movie where we have to just get in, go, move forward, and you know I, I liked. That's one of the reasons I liked to get out was the slow burn of it and and the payoff at the end. Oh yeah, with, with that horror film, um, I, I I maybe I don't think the movie would have been as commercially successful as it has been already, but I might have liked it more if it was more of a slow burn leading up to a great confrontation at the end. Yeah, I don't disagree, but they had to keep the length down. I mean, they could have made this thing three hours easy. Yep. But I think I think they're finding the right balance. This one felt like a good length. The next one will probably be similar. Two movies is the right length. I mean, we don't need The Hobbit all over again oh, by no. trying to stretch it to three. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. We see a lot of the kids' fears. Um, Eddie is the hypochondriac. Right. Who's taking the the placebos that he calls gazebos? Yes, that's a very funny scene. 
he's taken a mall movie and he gets attacked by a diseased leper. Yep. You know, a tall, creepy, open sore guy chasing him around. Richie is the smart ass. Yep. Always cracking jokes, but I don't think unless I'm wrong, I mean I've only seen it the one time. I don't think we ever see him get attacked by it. I'm trying to think. I don't remember. Stanley is the one that gets attacked at his dad's synagogue or whatever by the painting. Right. Mike was in a bad fire as a child. And he gets that image of the burning hands and the locked door. Yes. That's what it comes after him. Yep. Uh, Ben is at the library reading about all these horrible mining accidents or whatever. And he gets attacked by the headless victims of the industrial accident. Yep. We know Beverly gets attacked by blood. Bill is attacked by Georgie. So I don't think, unless I'm missing it, I don't think we ever saw Richie have any kind of encounter. If we did, I don't remember it. Yeah. And I don't remember in the books if he did either. But, you know, it's it's confusing enough because in the books it was a lot of universal monsters. Right. Um, For instance, when the bullies get it in the sewers... In the book, I believe it's Frankenstein that takes one or two of them out. Where in the movie, it's just a bunch of the missing children. Right. That they probably bullied. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Pennywise. Um, There's a lot of clown action in this movie. He's in the Pennywise form for a lot of the attacks. There's some really good ones. I mean, I I liked when he came out of the screen at first during a slideshow in the garage. He's just showing up in the oh, slides. Oh, dude, that was crazy. I didn't see that coming. I thought they were going to build to a slide where he was like right there, and then he freaking comes out like a twelve foot giant out right out of the screen. He fills up the garage. Yeah. Oh man, that was creepy. And he vanishes when they open the garage door. They get it open. They get the daylight in there, and he's gone. Right. So a lot of these attacks, he he messes with them and they get away. So whether he's just overconfident or whether he's just toying with them, it's always been a debate. Um, I would lean towards that he's toying with them. He's building up this fear because that's what he likes. He wants them to be terrified. One thing I think this movie does well in the books did too, he's not just attacking you at night. It's not like Freddy Krueger where you're only in danger if you're sleeping. No, yeah, you're right. Anytime you're alone, Pennywise can come after you anywhere. You're not you don't have to be at his house. You could be anywhere and he can come after you. And this might hold the record for me for the most amount of like scare scenes. There's just so many in this movie. They're packed in there that it's just constant attacks on people. Yeah. And and again, we kind of talked about this in the review podcast. I'll mention it again. Um it, it, you can either accept it as a roller coaster ride and just every time we turn a corner we're going to get another one of these or maybe you can say well you know this okay I, i'm kind of getting worn out a little bit by you know going in, into haunted house after haunted house after haunted house room you know it's like one room after another room after another room yeah they do change things up though i mean it's nice to see them take different forms or different methods of attack right and there's an amazing shot, I thought, when he comes out of a cupboard and he's all twisted up. He unwraps himself real quick and steps right out of it. Oh, what was that? Or, yeah, yes, yeah, that was great. 
the the room full of clowns and the old Pennywise sitting there. I don't um, know if you saw him. That was that was the scariest scene for me in the whole movie was when that poor kid who you know his fear is clowns. Yeah. And he looks he's he's he you know, Pennywise as smart as he is, he locks them, gets them separated in the house, and bam, he separates them. Kids in a room with a whole bunch, and I should have saw it coming. I just thought it was furniture, and then all the covers come off, and he's cl- dozens of clowns in there. Yeah, and oh, for Easter so egg, there's a clown that looks like the original Pennywise uh, sitting on the left. Nice. Yep. So I think Skarsgård does a really good job here in this movie. Oh, I, uh, I had no. I've seen that kid in a couple episodes of the Netflix series he's in, and I, I Hemlock never. Grove. Yeah, I never would have guessed that that was Pennywise. You know, I never would have guessed that was him, but that he was excellent. They actually kept him hidden from the kids as long as they could, so they didn't know what he looked like. They didn't know what he looked like in the clown suit. So the first couple of takes was all fresh for them seeing him <laughs> do what he was going to do, oh, which man. can always help with some of the scenes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So the finale is in the sewers. Yep. See so, Pennywise so, 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 later. Yeah. So, so, so the theme, of course, is facing your fears. And right. like you said, they'd finally decide they've got to go kill this Pennywise. They've got to kill this clown and rescue Beverly gets captured, right? Yes. He grabs Beverly. And that's in her house. <laughs> he takes her from there. They notice he's, she's missing. He's, they've beaten him once at the old house where the leper is. They managed to save their friend. They, they kind of speared him through the head, and he retreats into the well. Right. So he's kind of afraid for them, for, of them, because, you know, I don't know that he's ever been beaten before. So he takes Beverly, I think, as a hostage to keep them away, because he writes in the wall in blood, if you try, you'll die. So I think Beverly is just an insurance card. I don't, it's a tricky thing. I don't know if he was trying to lure them down there or not, or just try to keep them away. You know, the movie doesn't make that clear. So you can try See, Now for me, I kind of felt like she, he was using them as her as bait to get them all to come down there, but he wants them separated, right? He struggles when they're all together. And it, it was weird that he wrote that message. If you try, you'll die. Yeah, that was, I didn't really catch what he meant there. Yeah. Because he always tries to separate them. He's much better one-on-one focusing on them and trying to get their fear out yep. than when they can gang up. But when we get to his lair, and this is new in this movie, you see a giant pile of stuff he's taken over the years and then all these bodies floating in orbit around it. And that's not in the books. In the books, we never really know what he means when he says we all float down here. So the movie just made it more literal, but it's a cool visual. No, absolutely. I, you know, and I just assumed that's the way it was in the book as well. When, when he says we all float down here, I figured he just sucked their soul out and then he left them to float, you know, cause he isn't, he's created a, a, a interdimensional rift or something here that's going on. You know, there's something, yeah. 
interdimensional stuff that's happening here. Yeah, and the problem is in the books, there's bodies piling up because they're looking to blame it on somebody. Right. So he's never taken the bodies. He does what he does with them, sucks their fear out. So in the movie, he does collect the bodies and he makes a float, which makes sense to his, his famous tagline. But yeah, he's got Bev. She's not afraid of him. And he knows that, so he just uses the deadlights inside of her to kind of stun her and make her float. Yeah, and there's kind of a cute scene. You know, uh, Ben has, you know, the, the the chunky kid that was, he was the one that was in the library always studying. Um, is that him, right? I'm not getting him confused, right? Ben? Yeah. yeah. He kind of had a crush on her, Beverly, the whole time, and he'd written her a love note, and, and you saw it coming. He was like, there's only one way to wake her up. <laughs> They've already tried shaking her and yep. slapping her. You Nothing saw, was making her come out of her trance. You saw the handwriting. He just rears back and gives her a big old kiss on the lips. <laughs> he had his Snow White moment. Yep, I thought it was. You know, I, I just really liked him as a character, and uh, I thought they played him. Yeah. I thought he was written and portrayed very well in the movie. Yeah, he was. They all were. I mean, it's perfect casting for the losers. So, yep, they all team up with their weapons. They beat up Pennywise, and uh, he retreats into the deeper part of the well, presumably for another 27 years. Wow. And the movie it, does not deal. The, you see the bodies coming down, but the movie doesn't deal at all with what ha- happens with those bodies. If they tell the police or what. Right. Because in the, in the books, the the bully finally stumbles out of the sewer and, and he takes the fall. The cops think he's the one that's been murdering all these kids. Oh, well maybe part two will pick up with one of the bullies stumbling out of there and they'll say that he did it. And then it'll flash forward 27 years later. Who knows? Part two. Yeah. And it's tough to say because the bully that survives until they're adults and attacks them later in the movie, he, he attacks them in that old house and they knock him down in the sewer, and he falls way down. We don't see what happens to him. He goes into the well. So Pennywise, I guess, could use him later. I don't know if they'll go with that angle or not. Right. So we've set up the next movie pretty well. They exit the sewer, and they make a blood pact. Yep. They know that very well he may be back in 27 years, so they all vow to return. Yep. And roll to credits. Chapter one is over. Yeah. So just so to set up the sequel real briefly. So what happens in the opening of the, the adult portion of the book is that 27 years later, and it's going to be modern times now, right. where before it moved from the 50s to the 80s, um, a young gay couple, two men get attacked on a bridge by bullies. And they get knocked below, and Pennywise, he takes out a bunch of them. And that's when Mike realizes, Mike is the librarian now. Yeah. He, re- he hears about the crime, and it happened under the bridge. He's pretty sure Pennywise is back. So he's the one that summons all of them back to Derry. And a lot of them forget what happened. Either it's PTSD or it's Pennywise's influence has made them forget their whole childhood. Wow, that would be interesting to explore in the second movie. As they come back, they start 
they go through stuff. You know, they go back to scenes. They go back to that old creepy house. Their memories start coming back. They kind of forgot each other. They kind of forgot what happened. So a lot of the movies, them rediscovering their memories of childhood. Yep. Now, they're also promising the next movie is actually going to get a little bit interdimensional, too, with where Pennywise goes. And that ties into the Dark Tower. Oh, hello. But those movies will never line up. There's not going to be another Dark Tower movie, it looks like. But Pennywise may be an offspring of a character from that series called The Crimson King. Pennywise is female and it lays eggs. <laughs> so, wow. so, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but Stephen King has basically come out and said all of his books exist in the same world, universe, or something. Is that correct? Yes. So, so all of his books can have interactions with each other in some way or another. Yes, they mention things. Um, like a detective may mention a bunch of kids went missing in Derry. It's never huge, overt things. It's not like a Marvel crossover. Right. You know, where something big happens. Oh, yeah. But there are a lot of things in common. He never writes in the same town more than once. There are all these little towns in Maine and New England. There is another book, though. I can't think of which one it is. Shoot. Where... After the sequel, you know, the sequel takes place in the 80s. This book is many years later. There's graffiti in in Derry in the sewers that says Pennywise lives. Okay. So I I forget which other Stephen King book that is from. Oh, wow. So that's okay. That's a whole nother whole nother deal. So. So, Adam, thoughts, you know, we're 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 actually. We're pushing about 45 minutes. I'm really surprised, but there's a lot to this movie. Um, some bigger themes, some some things. What's what's one or two things you just loved about this movie that caused you want to give it a, a full endorsement? And maybe what's one critique you might have it, if any, of the movie? I love the script for this movie. It had a almost near impossible task of laying out all these characters, giving us lots of Pennywise, and keeping the pacing going forward. You always have to feel like the pedal is down and this thing's moving forward. Compared to other horror movies, there can be a lag between Act 2 and 3. The heroes doubt themselves, they form a plan of attack, something goes wrong, and they have to reformulate. This really doesn't have that moment of self-doubt. There's no time for it. There's no real downtime in this. There is still a lot of exposition, but you need it in the story. There's no way to get around that. There's so much exposition here. You need it. I'm okay with the kids figuring it out and looking at old books. Necessary evil. Because you have to understand Pennywise and his history with the town. So I can't knock it for that. But the script, I think, is great. Um, It's been floating around for a while. These guys figured it out. Um, As far as horror movies go, this thing's built like a thrill ride. Any um, any any critiques of it? If you had any at all, uh, not really. I I know some characters are shortchanged, but I can't critique it because I don't know a good way around it. Right. Without padding out its time too much. Um, all the performances are good. Good mix of practical versus CG on effects. Um, I really have no nitpicks of this movie that leap to mind. Okay. How about I, you? 
Um, some things that stand out to me are the acting performances of the kids. I think I thought they were stellar. I thought every kid was great. I didn't see any that was really, you know, when you, I grew up in the 80s, you know, I was a little bit, I would have been, I guess, the bullies in this movie. <laughs> I graduated in 89, so um, yeah, I would have been the old guy that was picking on the kids or whatever. But, yeah. you know, I still grew up in the 80s, you know. And and this movie just rung true for me. The the costumes, the glasses, the uh, the, the the back and forth bicker, and the the swearing of the kids back and forth at each other, and the picking, and you know, um, just all seemed to really ring true to me. Um, yeah, so I, I you know I love the I highly like the acting, love the acting of uh, Skarsgård as as Pennywise. Um, I thought there was, um, good scares, both jump scares and slow build. This is really going to be bad scares, you know, a yeah. good, good mix of those. Um, again, the only critique, if I would give it, and it's not really one is that the pace almost seemed a little too fast for me. I would have liked just a hair more character development. I just wanted more of those kids to interact with each other in non-scary, terrified ways, you know, but you, but you know, you would have, I don't know. I think there's a trade off there if you do that though. Yeah. Another thing that just hit me is that they don't overdo the pop culture references here, which is nice. Most of the pop culture references are just in the background. Like what's playing at the movie theater. Great. And it was exactly the kind of stuff that was playing in 88, 89, which was cool. The one pop culture reference that is more front and center is some new kids on the block stuff, but it's funny. I liked it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not Guardians of the Galaxy. They're not really abusing the soundtrack of the time. Right. Okay. Well, Adam, man, what else? Anything else in this spoiler cast? Uh, We'd love to hear what you think of it. We have, uh, for this comment thread related to this track, we're relaxing our spoiler rules. So you can comment, you can talk about spoilers you saw. If I'm wrong about something about the book, please let me know. It's been years, years and years since I've looked at it. But um, yeah, let us know what you thought and feel free to spoil it in this comment thread. Awesome. So Adam, if, if, if folks want to follow us uh, and, and connect with us on the social medias and the interwebs, how can they find us? Uh, we're on Facebook. Just either search for Film Coterie on there or... If you just go to facebook.com backslash film coterie, it'll take you right to our main page. That's where we post all of our episodes and our, our conversations are right there. Awesome. We're also on Twitter. We're at film coterie on Twitter. Yep. There you go. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. This spoiler cast number four for it. Uh, and let go- us know if you like spoiler casts. Yes. Um, we're just trying this out as some other additional content. This is really ex- yeah, experimental for us. The next one we're doing will probably be Blade Runner. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just real quick, Andy Machetti that Muschetti that did the uh, direction, good. You know, what, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, very good. Um, I liked Mama. That was the last horror movie I saw from him. Very creepy. A little bit of a mess in the script department, but from a direction point of view, I mean, it was great. Really good performance there by Javier Botet too, who played Mama. Yep. And it looks like I just checked his 
IMDb page. He's getting Shadow of Colossus of the Colossus. Is that a, 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 a part two? Uh, it's based on the video game, but that thing's been around for a while. I don't know that it's going to happen. Oh, uh, okay. It's just announced. No uh, pre-production or anything going on here. So it's been a, a troubled project, but I think you were going to get it. Chapter two from him. Okay. They just signed. They just signed the writers for the second part. Nice. Their their goal is to start shooting in January. Okay. With the idea of giving us a fall release next year. Twenty nineteen. 2019 wow okay they have they have some post-production on this movie well yeah i'd say so so okay cool well that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the film coterie spoiler cast uh you guys have a good week we'll see you next time